Here we are for another episode of Disability Stage Right. Hi, Miles. Hi, Stephanie. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm very excited to welcome our guest today, Prince Amponsa, an actor from Toronto, a stage and screen actor. Welcome to Disability Stage Right, Prince. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's so nice in these these times where we're having to be physically separate from people mm. through this podcast. We're actually getting to uh, forge and reforge connections with people in other cities that uh, mm. we wouldn't get to connect with otherwise. We're delighted to have you. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, I can totally concur with that. Uh, just, yeah, not being able to see people's faces and walking into someone every now and then on the street, it's just kind of like, I haven't seen them in ages and all you want to do is hug them, but that's- Yeah. You know, oh, I, no, no. yeah. <laughs> Anytime I'm out for a walk and I run into someone who I know only slightly yeah. after we walk away from each other and I realize I've just practically monologued for <laughs> 10 minutes and maybe they have to, that you, yeah. you realize how, how important this connection is. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So Prince, because this is an audio format, can we get you to start by uh, describing yourself a bit for our audience? All right. Um, so I am um, an actor and I'm from uh, West Africa. I'm from Ghana and that's where my parents are from. And uh, but I pretty much grew up here um, in Mississauga in Toronto. And um, I define myself as a disabled actor um, and I acquired my disability um, in 2012 when um, I suffered um, quite a bit of an accident in a house fire that happened and that resulted in um, 60 to 70% of my body uh, being burnt with second and third degree burns, um, as well as a bilater bilateral amputation of both my arms. Um, so yeah, that's me. And uh, I'm also living with a, a dog here, a service dog who uh, I kind of spoil quite a bit. So I'm doing more of the serving than she is, but uh, she's over here snoring away and her name is Siri. So yeah. Oh, Siri. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that <laughs> I mean, that's not great. I don't love that name all the time because I only have too many Apple products here and I just can't use the app at all. So <laughs> if I say, hey, Siri, you know, it's going to get the dog's attention. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking about that, 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 yeah. um, yeah, there's a lot of mishaps that could occur. Yeah. 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 So her, her foster parents gave her that name. So, but I mean, it's lovely. Obviously it's, uh, it's grown on me quite a bit. Maybe I'll start by asking you about uh, the fact you introduced yourself as a disabled actor mm. because language is powerful and identity is powerful. And mm. we've met people on the podcast who use the, uh, you know, the identity first disabled actor, disabled creator, and other people who use the uh, person first actor with a disability. And wondered if you could talk about your your feelings about uh, language, how people identify you and, mm -hmm. and why that, that uh, style works for you. Yeah, you know, I've been kind of all over the place with that one. And um, I don't know if anything's really stuck so much. I have been using disabled more than um, you know, sometimes I use differently abled. I've used that in the documentary that I spoke on. Um, just really trying to figure out what that means to me. Mm -hmm. um, and especially like with an acquired disability, and um, you have to re-examine your relationship with your body. Um, and uh, I've been doing that, still doing that to this day. Um, 
but I do find there is a sort of um, uh, pride that you can take in being able to just define yourself as disabled and to kind of advocate for that. Mm-hmm. So that it's not this taboo or this word that, you know, people are not comfortable using or afraid to use or, um, but again, I, that's still something that I'm questioning and challenging every day. And is that something that needs to be said all the time? Is it an obvious thing when it's a visible uh, disability? Um, because I don't, I don't say I'm a black actor. You know, I don't always keep putting down in my bio I'm a black actor. But um, I don't know. Maybe I do need to say black disabled actor. But what in what order does that come in, and why? And and then that just comes down to the person, yeah. the relationship they have with whatever they're going through with those terms, right? So yeah. Uh, but I think it's all it's all okay. It's all acceptable, and there's no one way to say it or describe yourself. I, as, yeah. as I see it now, anyway, that may change in a little while. <laughs> well, Fair enough. Uh, one reason we ask this or talk about this language part is that often people who are non-disabled and are not used to inter- interacting perhaps mm-hmm. with people with disabilities um, can be nervous about saying the wrong thing. And in fact, mm-hmm. to the extent that it can become a barrier to even posting jobs or or exploring the possibilities of uh, more inclusive or non-exclusionary casting. Um, So I, I, I feel like the answer we get from lots of people who do live with disabilities Mm -hmm. is, you know, the important thing is to talk about it, (laughs) (laughs) to to not be afraid of talking. Uh, What would you say to people who might be worried about using the wrong language when speaking to you? Yeah, I'm all about getting it out in the open, uh, asking all those questions to become comfortable with all of this, right? Or else it's just be- it just becomes that huge elephant in the room that you're trying to avoid speaking about and then making the issue a lot worse, right? Yeah. Um, you know, something as simple as like, um, uh, if someone wants to open the door for me, maybe instead of just uh, implying or assuming that I want the door open, just to ask, right? You know, things like that, but to not be afraid to ask too as well, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think we do need to to get into that comfortable mode so that it's not an other thing. It's not that other thing that people are trying to avoid or don't know how to approach, right? Right. Uh, yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think yeah, it's very important to talk about it. It's the same with uh, race, you know, um, to be able to talk about race issues as well, I think is mm-hmm. just as important to be able to talk about disability issues. And, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I think we're at a state now where disability is kind of like the last frontier of like things to challenge or to really uh, to get at and to figure out and to understand. Um, I mean, it's great that we're looking at, you know, race and uh, gender and all and sexuality and all these things. But I feel like disability is kind of always that last, you know, that one other thing that people like forget to mention or to bring up. That one room left that nobody wants to go into because they're yeah. afraid of what, what the mess is like. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> they've, they've cleaned every other room in the house, but they've left <laughs> one behind and they're just yeah. like, I don't want to go one. in there. <laughs> and it's a big one, right? Like, it's yeah. Look at the numbers and like, there's a lot of us <clears> that are dealing with it. And uh, I can't remember who said, but someone says like, at some point, everyone will face some type of disability, even with age or whatever, right? Yeah. So it's that kind of thing that you want to get comfortable with and and not try to avoid or act like you don't ever have to deal with, you know, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested uh, to hear you talk about this, Prince, uh, mm. because of, uh, you know, the intersection, because a disability is something that intersects across every identity. It's not, you know, as, as, as one of our recent guests put it, you know, with disability, one size fits one. It's, mm. it's a unique personal experience. Uh, uh, and... Um, uh, being a black actor or, or an actor who is black in addition to being a disabled actor. Um, uh, I, I'd be, I'd love to hear you talk more about that intersection. Mm. Um, yeah, that is interesting because I guess, uh, like even when I try to think, uh, about a lot of people that I know, I don't know a lot of, um, uh, I'll say minorities with, uh, living with disability in my personal experience. So, um, the relationships that I have with people, um, you know, in the black community, it's, uh, it's all like sort of a learning experience. And, uh, and also with mental health too, I find that that's sort of always kind of a taboo conversation amongst a lot of blacks. Um, and, uh, you know, the idea of like maybe seeing a therapist or something just to talk about issues is kind of like, whoa, what, like, are you okay? You know? So that's something that I think we've been really challenging ourselves with to, uh, to sort of get used to that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I know in my family, uh, like no one's had uh, like a major disability except for myself. So uh, we've all been, you know, living with it and living through it um, day by day. But I, I gotta say they're doing pretty good. So uh, <laughs> you're dealing with it pretty okay. Um, I always laugh because my sister, like almost right after the accident happened, uh, she's like, you know what, you're gonna have to s- s- figure out how to make your own meals, okay? Because I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna help you. But like, you know, in a joking, loving way, just being like, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself and all that kind of stuff and everything that I was going through. And yeah. um, like, they got a good head on their shoulders. So yeah, yeah. So uh, talking, moving back to theater. Uh, mm-hmm. So you already had had your theater training and in fact, mm-hmm. were sort of starting your professional career right. when you um, ha- were in the accident. That's right, right. And so how did this, how did that change the mm-hmm. trajectory of your career? Yeah, well, I mean, when the accident happened, I was actually, I I had taken a bit of a break uh, just before then anyway. And I was only just deciding to get back into it. You know, I I met up with my agent again and I said, uh, you know, uh, I had a new game plan as to how to approach, uh, how to approach the uh, the field of acting and all of that. And, you know, what type of uh, route I wanted to take with it. Um, And then boom, the accident happened like almost right away. So, like the idea of even getting back on stage uh, was just so far beyond my my training, my mind, my way of thinking that, um, yeah, I just didn't even see it in my traject- trajectory at all. Um, and I was too focused on rehab and just trying to figure out how I was going to live life, you know, again, um, as in this new body, in this new body form. So the last thing on my mind was, uh, what am I going to do? You know, it was just like, how am I going to live? Do I want to live? All these questions you're asking yourself and, and uh, you know, just trying to figure out <laughs> how to go through all of it. Um, but then I finally did get to a state where uh, I think it was about um, uh, second year. Uh, so this was, uh, I was in rehab at the time and uh, I had like, I'd gone through all the surgeries and reco- recovered quite a bit. 
Um, and I was finally in a state of mind of like of, of acceptance, I guess you could say of, you know, this new body and this new life. Um, and then I happened to uh, run into a friend of mine uh, who I hadn't seen in quite a few years, uh, Harry Thomas, and he uh, was directing a new play and uh, just decided to bring it up with me and ask me if I wanted to do it. Um, and before then, I, I wasn't even considering getting back into acting. I didn't even think it was a possibility. But as soon as he mentioned it, I, I started to think, well, why not? Why, why can't I do it anymore? Just because I, I don't have arms, I, I can't act, you know? Of course I can. It's about expression and emotion and all those things. And, um, and the body is just uh, one part of it, right? One part of the telling the story. Um, so I thought about it a little more and I was like, you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give this a go. I'm gonna give it a try. And, uh, and I, I mean, luckily the role wasn't demanding too much um, uh, like dexterity. Like you didn't have to, I didn't have to drive a car or like, you know, make a puzzle or something like that. Um, and I was able to really focus on the argument and the emotion of, of the characters. So I was really excited to, to approach that. And um, yeah, the only thing stopping me was my worry about how people would, um, how people would take me, how people would interpret me uh, as a disabled actor on stage, uh, just because I wasn't used to seeing that and I'm not used to seeing that. We don't see it enough, right? So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know. I don't know how, how this will go, but um, uh, I was kind of foolish to think that way because I think people were, uh, it, I had a pretty good reception doing that play and, um, and I think people just need to see that, right? They need to, it just needs to be more representation and more mm -hmm. comfort with seeing different bodies and different people and, uh, you know, people living with all types of disabilities so that it's not this strange thing when you finally see it on the screen or on the stage, right? It's just, yeah. um, it's another way of life. But because, because we don't see enough of it, then what we finally do, um, you know, sometimes people have a hard time interpreting it, right? So yeah. But uh, yeah, that's how I, uh, sorry, I kind of went into a few circles. No, well, oh, I love, yeah, and, and I love, uh, so you ran into this friend of yours who mm -hmm. was directing this play, and am I right to think that the, so the character you were playing was mm -hmm. a character who didn't need to do puzzles, but also he was not disabled in quotation marks. Exactly, exactly. That wasn't uh, like a defining character or uh, anything about it. It was an angel character. Um, and the play was called Lot and his God. And I play this angel who comes down to earth and tries to persuade this couple to leave before it gets burnt down um, this part of town that they're living in. So it's a lot, it's like really based on long arguments and long uh, trainings of thought, but it's not, there's nothing that you know, says they have to look a certain way. So that's why there was yeah. some freedom with that, right? And uh, it's fantastic mm. to hear that, you know, mm. that um, because of one of our big things that we are, Miles and I are both fans of, mm. uh, everyone associated with the podcast is, is the fact that characters, actors with disabilities can mm. play any role. Yeah, right, that's it right. It doesn't yeah. need to be a, in quotation marks, a disabled role or a character with a disability. That's right. Uh, I mean, I would love to just be able to play like a, a best friend uh, or, you know, uh, some kind of character who's just a friend and just happens to have a disability and it may not even ever be mentioned, you know, that's, it's up to the audience to sort of, uh, you know, think about how that came to be or whatever. Um, if you're in a wheelchair or whatever, it's, it doesn't have to be, 
like mentioned. It doesn't have to be described. It's just a yeah. part of that life. It's a part of that way of being. So That's yeah, it doesn't need to be part of the central conflict of the exactly. character. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd like to see more of in the future. But for sure. Uh, yeah, I think it just depends on who's creating the work and. Uh, so we need more disabled creators, more disabled performers and uh, writers and, uh, you know, artists behind the scenes to uh, in, uh, in positions of power, <laughs> to say. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. Can, can I jump in? Hi, mm-hmm. this is Angela hey. um, from Behind the Scenes. Um, I, I, I can't hold this question any longer. Uh, Prince, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of your work. Um, and the first time I saw you on stage was, uh, uh, I believe that was a Soul Pepper show, the Judith Thompson show? Yes, after the blackout, that's right. After the blackout, that's right. And so that show, um, just for the audience, uh, it could just in a, in a sentence or two, could you describe that show? Because it's really, um, it's a very mm. special show. Yeah, um, I would say it's a group of friends that are um, reuniting after a little while. And, but they're all uh, people living with varying forms of disability and um, sort of replaying moments in their life um, that have had a very strong presence on them and uh, made a very strong uh, impact in their lives. And, um, and just going through all of their relationships together and, and how they've kind of ended up being the way they are uh, now and um, sort of retelling the stories of life and like the ghosts in their life, but these uh, ghosts in this term is uh, like just past history, past stories and relationships and all those things. So yeah, that was lovely. It was really it was lovely a, to be part of that. Yeah, it was a it was a beautiful, beautiful piece. And mm-hmm. and, and as you said, it was um, all all of the actors are actors that um, that um, I shouldn't speak for them, but I, I'm gonna guess um, identify as artists uh, with a disability. Right. Um, and I'm just curious, um, I'm, perhaps I'm jumping ahead in your story, but mm-hmm. I'm wondering what the differences are being on stage with mm-hmm. um, being the only person with a disability mm-hmm. in a cast versus being in uh, a show with uh, other or all uh, um, actors mm-hmm. with a disability and what the what the difference is and what maybe the difference things that you have to navigate in those that's, certain experiences yeah, that's a great question um i would say like with finally being in a, a play with um with all actors having a, diff- a varying form of disability it was like oh they all get it so there's like no need to explain or to um, I found um, getting back into acting, I was always um, trying not to, you know, ruffle the, ruffle the boat too much or whatever the term is, um, trying not to cause too much commotion or to be too much of a problem. Yeah. So I would, uh, I would try to get by as much as I could um, on my own uh, in terms of like, you know, getting costumes on and things like that. Uh, or not, you know, if there's an issue with the doorknob, I might just try to deal with getting into rehearsal space or, or whatever. But um, now I've grown into more comfort with like speaking my mind and saying what I need and what I don't need. And, um, and I found, yeah, being in that play with all these actors that understood it, there was no need to go over that. I mean, that was just something that we talked about day one. It wasn't something that I felt like I had to bring up. Whereas it, when I am the only actor uh, with a disability, um, 
there's a huge responsibility on my part to to express the things that are needed um, because they just won't know. They they won't know until you you say what the issue is, right? Yeah. Um, but I also know, like going into some auditions and and finally getting a contract, uh, you know, if they say, what do you need? I, I don't want that number to go up. Like if I say I need an assistant, then um, then it comes down to, you know, oh, well, we can't afford that. So we're not gonna hire him anymore, you know? And that's the thought I have in my mind, right? Which I shouldn't have to have, but um, unfortunately those are kind of the things that I, I navigate sometimes, but, um, but I also think it's important to bring them up so that um, producers and, directors are used to hearing those things that are needed, right? And to normalize it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Miles, what's your experience been? This makes me think of some things. Mm. Yeah, I've I've had I've had some similar some similar thoughts running through my head. Um mm. and I actually had a I had a similarly related question for you, Prince, but I'll I'll just go over my experiences briefly first. Um don't let me don't let me sidetrack you. Ask your question. <laughs> uh, I've I, well, all right then. I'll just I'll just dive right into the question. Um, with uh, with now being um, working regularly as you do with your mm. within your disability, um, mm. what are those what are those conversations like for you to have now with producers mm. and and uh, directors and those kinds of things? In my experience, this is where I'll touch on it. Um, mm. They were they were pretty receptive mm -hmm. to. Some, to a lot of what I had to say, um, and a lot of it, a lot of it in the instance that I'm speaking of, with relation to "Kill Me Now," had to do with with making sure that that everybody involved in scenes with me were safe. So it meant getting things like um, a backlift for one scene and that kind of stuff. Mm. But I wonder what's what's the receptiveness like? Like you've talked about. Uh, being being much more willing to be more vocal now that you've lived more of that experience. Yeah. But what's the what's the receptiveness like on the parts of the people in the positions of power and decision making when yeah. you broach a need, for example? It's it's been fairly positive and receptive as well. I have to say, um, yeah. And I think people have been willing. It's kind of that thing where like maybe people, people just don't know how to approach stuff and they need you to sort of bring it up uh, to them and for them. Um, but I do find that they are quite receptive to it. Like the main thing for me is always when it comes to costumes and getting my wardrobe on and stuff. And that's a whole team effort too, right? And mm -hmm. uh, so that's a conversation that I, I usually have, you know, first day of rehearsal saying, you know, yeah. just a heads up, uh, you know, every day when we come in to do the play, I'm gonna need, you know, so-and-so or someone to help me with the buttons. And, you know, it's, you know, it's just whoever's kind of free and available, but there's always someone that's kind of willing to do it. Um, but at first I was just like, I, you know, I just kind of felt a little <laughs> weird and uh, awkward to ask those questions. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, once you start building those relationships with those castmates and stuff, it does get a lot easier to ask those things. Um, but yeah, uh, like with producers and such, you know, it's like accessibility and things like that. And, um, but it's been great. Like I remember being in a trailer and they'll just bring in the wardrobe assistant to help me out with whatever, um, some stuff they'll make alterations on to help me get them on. Um, and, and, you know, uh, the dailies or the scripts, you know, they'll make them all like, 
easy for me to handle or, you know, help me sign. So I feel like in general, they, uh, they, people have been quite open to it um, and open to change. And uh, yeah, I think we have to sort of give folks a little more, uh, more credit for, you know, in this kind of thing. Um, and, and that's why I think we should be doing it more. And uh, I'm hopeful that we'll be doing this more too. Um, having more. Yeah. 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 I can see it. I'm hopeful. I'm positive. And, that, <laughs> and that's yeah. generally been my uh, experience too. Is like once, yeah. like you said, once folks are aware, they just get it. It's like, oh, I didn't even think about mm. the idea that somebody would need that somebody might need help with that's buttons, right. or I didn't even think about how they might need help. But once you explain it to them, yeah. they just kind of get it. That's it. That's it. And I got to give a huge shout out to stage managers because uh, for all yeah. the plays I do, they really yeah. help with that, that before every performance. So <laughs> it's if they don't have enough to do. Already. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, pretty awesome. Although it, it, it's <laughs> interesting, like when you think about uh, like access needs mm -hmm. and uh, the fact that in some ways in theater, it's set up to like, uh, because we all have access needs. If I'm in a show where I'm wearing a corset, I right away, the, the expectation mm. is a dresser is going to help me. Right. Um, if, you know, I know you did a season at Shaw, so I imagine right. that uh, you had some of those sorts of outfits where you needed someone to help you do things oh, up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, now, of course, a lot of theater that we do doesn't have dressers depending on the size of the house and how independent it is and all that mm. kind of stuff but in those situations where those people are there and thinking about stage managers and assistant stage managers mm. often um they're already meeting other actors access needs in all kinds of ways yeah. whether that's uh, <laughs> on uh, shoes or whatever yeah 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 um, or like you say, getting those corsets on. So that's why there needs to be something in place, uh, you know, maybe a new position or funding available for, for things like that. So that there is an assistant that doesn't have to deal with everything, you know, that the stage manager does, but there is someone there just for those types of things. But I mean, that comes down to money, right? And, but I, yeah. I, I think we, can, we could do that. We should, we should. Yeah. Yeah, well, and the, you, you think about what models might be available for funding that, you know, something mm. that doesn't require a theater planning a year in advance. Okay, we want to hire an mm. actor with a disability. So for this show, we'll have an extra assistant position. Right. I want you or Miles to be able to walk in and have the same shot at that part right. for any show that they haven't mm. planned a year in advance <laughs> yeah. to hire you for. Um, you know, the UK has the model of access to work where you, uh, you know, a self-employed person can have an assistant who essentially goes with them. Mm. Uh, it's not reliant on the employer. Um, but so far, we don't have any models like that in Canada. Yeah, that would be extremely ideal to have something like that. And it's much, much needed, in my opinion. Yeah. So I that, agree. Yeah, the onus isn't on um, the person hiring you. And then there isn't that barrier, right? There isn't that issue to deal with so that you already have that in place to, uh, mm -hmm. to be able to approach the role or the audition is, is just as well as anyone else could, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So are you, uh, do you find yourself sometimes self-censoring about whether or not to go to an audition because of that, uh, you know, chance of getting hired or, oh, or are you bravely going out there? 
uh, mostly brave, bravely going out, but I will say there were certain few things where I was just like, oh, they're not, I'm not doing this, you know? Um, and I don't know if I should, because in that case, it's always good just to meet the, um, the casting director or to be able to have your work shown to the producer, or, you know, whoever's going to be seeing the work. So there, I always have that voice in the back of my head that's saying, just go out there and do it, because um, you never know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there is also that other side that's saying, oh, come on. I mean, they need you to do this and this and you ain't got no hands and what the heck? Oh, come on. Like, don't waste my time because I got to put so much energy and memorizing it. And <laughs> so, yeah. but uh, so, yeah, there is that kind of like that beast that I'm like <laughs> battling every time um, that I have an audition or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, I can relate to a lot yeah. of that same thought process, too. Yeah, because it takes a lot of energy. It really does. So Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm sitting here as this, like, uber-privileged white lady here uh, who um, still, as an actor, there are times where you're like, oh, they're not going to hire me for all these reasons. I don't want to memorize all this stuff. Or just, can I handle this additional rejection this week? Um, (laughs) And talking to... Talking to black friends who yeah. are actors who, um, you know, I'll go to an audition and then I'll say to someone later, hey, why weren't you there? And they're like, they're not going to hire me. Like, they've just gotten mm-hmm. so beaten down over mm. the years. Um, and that is, you know, a, a, someone just from that right race point of view right. not right. from the the also the disability. And, and I wondered, I, I mean, it just strikes me. I'd just be interested to hear whether that is a factor or even was a factor for you before the accident in 2012. Uh, No, it wasn't so much a factor back then. Um, Well, I guess now I'm just trying to think back on my classical theater training and all that stuff, the experience there. Um, Hmm, I, uh, yeah, it's kind of tricky because, uh, you know, a lot of the Shakespearean stuff is uh, kind of catered more to, at least back then, um, people that are not of a, a, a visible minority, right? Um, like you're seeing on stage a lot of white folks when, uh, when yeah. you're doing those kind of stuff. Um, and I think it's only slowly changing now, like maybe at Stratford and Shaw, you'll see a little more of that too. Yeah. Um, more so at Shaw in my experience, but hopefully at Stratford as well. Um, but I, yeah, I, that never really came too much into play um, for like contemporary pieces and stuff like that. Um, and I was usually only like uh, going out for stuff that were specifically asking for a person of color a lot of the times um, or where that really didn't matter. Um, but now, yeah, now that uh, I, I do think about that all the time, I, I think about like, you know, how much they're willing to take a chance on a disabled actor um, for the role. And I'm always trying to maintain uh, a level up of optimism and, uh, and hope and think that, uh, that they are open to that. Um, and, uh, you know, I have gotten some things, not enough, obviously, because it's just, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you look on the TV and on film now and I, I, uh, I can maybe only think of two or three actors of, um, of visible disability, you know, um, and it's just not enough. It's just not enough in my opinion. Uh, but I, uh, I don't try to get too down or, <laughs> you know, I try to hope yeah. that, that there is room for change 
Um, and there is room for change, but I just hope that people are willing to make those changes too, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it is, it is a challenge that I, I sort of deal with uh, every day, but just because I like the profession so damn much, I'm still kind of going through this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, to, as you say, how much rejection can you take? Some days, not so much, right? But <laughs> I mean, I've only been in the in the professional side of things for like two years, and I and I frequently find myself looking at an audition call, going, "They're not going to grab me. <laughs> there's too much. There's too much um, baggage that comes with a disability." And right. I just, I wish that that wasn't the case. I know, I know. Um, I don't really have a question. I just, I just wish that like conversations like the ones that you've talked about having with producers and in mm. terms of getting assistance, I wish that, and like Stephanie said, I wish that they were just part of what we did. Like you just, yeah. a theater, a theater company goes in and says, oh, we're going to do you know, six shows this season and three of them minimum will have disabled actors and they're, yeah. I want them to be in a position to not have to bat an eyelash about funding that. Exactly. Yeah, that's the, that's where I'd like to get at some point. Um, yeah. But I, you know, uh, when I do go into these auditions, I always also try to look at it as um, another chance to sort of hone the acting skill, right? And just to yeah. To flex those muscles a bit and to get more comfortable with it too. So uh, I get perform. that out of it when I do it. Um, but yeah, Zoom auditions are a little weird. I don't know if any of you had to do that yet, but <laughs> I haven't yet. But I can imagine <laughs> yeah, that they're a bit strange. <laughs> yeah, Zoom theater audition was the height of unusualness to me. <laughs> indeed, indeed, yeah. indeed. Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was curious, uh, Prince. Mm. You took your training um, before your accident. Right. And uh, what do you think your training experience would have been like um, if it had happened before? Hmm. Uh, or would it have happened? Yeah, yeah. As, uh, uh, yeah. And you mean like if I went into, like if I went to the training with my disability? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they would have had the tools in place to, ha to handle it or to deal with it. Um, thinking back on all the things that I, I did and learned there, uh, there was a lot of dependence on being uh, an able-bodied person. So uh, I'd like to imagine that it would have been possible, but uh, Hmm. Yeah, it would have been it would have been quite challenging. I think it would have been. I think there would have been a lot of awkward moments, <laughs> but a lot of learning <laughs> moments too. I think, and um, I'd like to think that we would have all been able to figure it out together. But there would have been a lot of figuring it out because uh, I don't think that's something that is usually dealt with. I don't know how many disabled actors uh, go into to theater training. I only know one person. Um, Miles, did you get uh, theater training or? Yeah, I got a, I got a little bit. The majority of my uh, technical training was in film, but I did, I did uh, a, a bunch of acting training and some directing training specifically in theater. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I, I do think there's a lot of barriers. We hear stories from across the country of barriers. Also, you know, success, mm -hmm. you know, stories of people who, 
even in the 90s, you know, mm. wheelchair users who got full fine arts theater degrees. Right. But that, um, but also very recent stories of, of um, you know, college and university programs feeling unable to teach someone because mm. of X disability. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think there's, uh, and that's a, a big area of interest to, to me is to sort of build that capacity because through exposure, like yeah. through training more people, uh, there will be more of a pool available. It will become, people will have gotten used to it in their classes and they're like, it's just becoming a, a more inclusive industry from bottom to top. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, yeah, I think that needs to be in the training books for the teachers and the instructors as well. Um, just how to deal with, you know, things like that and to be more accepting and open to that possibility. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, gone yeah. back, I've gone back to speak at my school um, uh, a couple of times just to speak on my experience there. But I'd like to also, now that we're talking about this, even just go back and talk about, I think what's needed or, you know, mm -hmm. the approach is like for someone with a disability or to try to invite more people to even want to audition or apply to schools for that somehow right yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah. I think we need that. and to have more instructors of you know varying disabilities even as a as a guest coach mm -hmm. or whatever um mm -hmm. I think it'd be, uh quite a cool thing to do too it's something yeah. i'd like to explore at some yeah. point in my career is the idea of, of teaching yeah i think you should that'd be great well, and I, I think that the, the things you were talking about before, uh, Prince, about mm -hmm. like getting more comfortable at asking questions and, mm -hmm. and uh, s saying what you need, all of those things, you know, a lot of teachers, I think, are nervous about, you know, I, I don't know how to teach a person right. with X, you know, body composition, because I've never right. done it. Um, and, you know, some of it is, is our responsibility to become comfortable being uncomfortable as mm -hmm. you know the person <laughs> who because um otherwise uh, how will people get opportunities and how yeah. will that reality ever change um the reality that we're seeing we're really not seeing enough uh people with all kinds of different disabilities on our stages and screens at the moment yeah it's uh, it's definitely lacking and we need to see more of it so to, to speak yeah, oh, positively of the future, <laughs> uh, so what, uh, so what, what do you, what, what does your future, what does your hopeful future look like in terms of the disabled experience being visible on stage mm -hmm. and on screen? Yeah, well, I think that's just being able to go into an audition room and seeing all types of bodies and colors and uh, you know, people with varying abilities and uh, everyone with a chance to get at a role, right? So that uh, it's, you know, I'm not just the only one every, every the, you know, now and then when I step into an audition room. Uh, uh, I'd love to see more of that and more understanding, more openness to, you know, to dealing with uh, people uh, with varying abilities um, and just more representation, way more representation on TV and film. Yeah. And yeah. on stage and you know it's all it's so important to be able to see people that live your experience live your similar to your life experience and uh yeah. it's, it's very moving and it's inspiring and when it's not there you know uh it, it makes you feel like an outcast you know it makes you feel like the mm -hmm. other a little bit and uh mm -hmm. and it's not fair so yeah, yeah I'd, love, I'd love more of that i'd love way more of that i wonder 
Prince, how has your disability um, affected and altered and hopefully bettered your abilities and the ways that you go about performances? Mm-hmm. Uh, Beyond I, the obvious, of course, like we've discussed. <laughs> yeah, I would say maybe um, there's a lot less of a superficial approach that I think I, I had a, a bit of before. Uh, where it was more, oh, how do I look? Do I look good in this angle or whatever, or in these clothes or something like that? I know it sounds terrible, but yeah. Uh, but now it's just more about finding that truth and um, making every approach as authentic as possible. Uh, because I, when I'm going to the room to audition, they're not expecting to see someone like me for a certain, you know, a role. So I need to go at it as honestly and truthfully as I can, so that it doesn't matter, right? That they're, all they're getting is that connection to that character. And I think I've been able to, you know, still trying to get better at it, of course, because I think that's an ongoing thing. But I, I feel like my approach to that has definitely been more, uh, more honest and truthful in that way and kind of bettered me at, um, at getting at those roles. Mm -hmm. Nice. You were talking about um, stage management and how helpful they can be and, and also the importance of, um, of having those conversations and you suddenly brought to mind an experience I had when I was an apprentice equity member mm. at, in a Shakespeare play and there were two of us apprentices and we were having to move this furniture and we'd done it in the rehearsal hall no problem and once we got to the stage he kept putting the benches in the wrong place <laughs> and uh and it happened again and again and he was very apologetic but it just kept happening and he finally sort of whispered to me he's like well um he's red green colorblind and the oh. uh the the spikes on stage were red and green oh, on okay. a brown floor and yeah. both red and green on a brown floor like a were essentially invisible to him and b yeah. looked identical to each other yeah. So, yeah. so basically he was operating with no spikes at all except for the little you know the fact that there was a little piece of tape um and i said yeah. to him you know you tell stage management that because they can use different colored spike tape mm -hmm. and he said well I don't want to because I don't want to make trouble and mm -hmm. uh and and meanwhile people are getting annoyed at him and and finally he said something to the stage managers and uh and they pulled up all the spike tape and put down blue and yellow tape and then everything was fine after yeah. that yeah. um and but it took a lot of courage for him to do that yeah. um and, but also created problems for him until he did it and in fact he was getting an undeserved reputation of you know being incompetent mm. um, and I'm not sure why I tell that story exactly except I mean one thing I, I think about all the people already working in theater who have invisible disabilities or hidden disabilities or uh, you know neurological differences yeah. um, that uh, who could, so many of us could benefit from different accommodations and creating that culture where talking about our individual needs and accommodations um, uh, is accepted. And I feel mm -hmm. like people like you and Miles who are going in into rehearsal rooms and demonstrating, hey, can you help me get my jacket off? Like you mm -hmm. would at Miles all the time, uh, <laughs> is actually helping to create that culture potentially. Right, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, and I think that's why you brought it up, and it's great. Uh, it's why was he uncomfortable to say that he was colorblind, right? And he shouldn't have had to feel that way. Um, so yeah, we need to be able to create a space where we can feel open and, and, and it's easy for us to express whatever our needs are. 
but that's also, you know, uh, like again, in day one of rehearsal, if anyone has any needs or needs to approach the director or whoever, uh, you know, make them feel comfortable enough to do that so that it's not uh, this uncertainty around all these things, these issues that you're having and dealing with uh, in the first place. Um, and uh, it makes a huge difference when I'm working with people that say, if you have any issues or anything, please let me know. Um, it's just just creating that openness, that, uh, that space for communication, right? Um, and then we can figure out through trial and error what works best for us uh, and work as a team to, because we all, we just want to make a good show, right? Or have a good mm -hmm. performance, but that only happens if we work with each other and exactly <laughs> work. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Figuring yeah. out what your needs are is so important. Hi, Prince. Hey. It's Angela again. <laughs> I'm just hopping in all the time because I'm just so excited you're here. <laughs> um, one of the things that uh, that we're doing with this podcast is, um, you know, not only are we getting an opportunity to speak with Canada's most uh, exciting um, uh, artists with disability, um, but we are also hoping that this podcast is going to reach the people that mm -hmm. hold the purse strings in mainstream um, theater and maybe a bit of film too <laughs> across yeah. Canada. And, and so my question for you um, with uh, sort of di directed to that particular part yeah. of our audience, um, I'm curious, someone that has been classically trained as you've shared that you have been, um, many of the sort of uh, classical uh, rehearsal processes and structures around putting on mm. a play um, uh, sort of uh, act as barriers yeah. for a number of people. So um, I'm, I'm just curious if you could uh, speak directly to the artistic directors and general managers of the the major theaters across Canada, um, if you could speak to them and tell them um, your suggestions on how to provide um, accommodations and healthy uh, work environments. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, we'll just have to, I, th I think they need to approach everything differently and with a new state of mind and way of being uh, where it really takes into account people living uh, uh, you know, with uh, different types of disabilities and that, you know, uh, whether they're visible or not, but to always take that into consideration, not just to go at anything with just one, one way or one rule uh, book that, you know, has been around for a little too long anyway. So it's <laughs> time to shake up the system. Um, and I know like, uh, you know, with certain warmups and things that I've done for, you know, some rehearsals, it's, uh, yeah, the director will make you feel comfortable and say, you know, do your own version of this, um, whatever this is for you, uh, but approach it in your own way and however you're comfortable with it. It's not, you don't have to fit the mold of one way of doing something. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's about challenging how we've been approaching everything that we have been and to sort of really open up our minds to new ways of approaching how to make art make work uh, that's for all of us and more universal than it is because uh, we all want to be part of it right so I think uh, once we're open to that then uh, we can make some some awesome art <laughs> for sure cool on that note I have a I have a follow-up question for you if you could say something similar to 
prospective future students of the arts with disabilities along yeah. along those kinds of advice lines yeah what what might you say hmm. i would say be fearless and um speak your mind as much as you can uh, realize that you are awesome and unique in your own way but you bring something to the table that someone else doesn't have uh and don't be afraid don't be afraid to speak your mind if you have a need uh get it out there let people know i think uh and communicate, yeah. Just don't be afraid to express yourself. Uh, I think is very important. Cool. Uh, yeah, you can be able to really approach the art the way you want to. And now, while we're speaking to imaginary audiences, mm. uh, you, <laughs> you've actually got me thinking to, uh, when you were talking earlier about uh, both you and Miles about what you worry about when you go mm. into an audition, or like what you know, what do you need if someone asks you, you know, what would you need, and you're like, oh. I better not ask for an assistant. If, if you could create an imaginary support program, like say through the arts councils at a federal mm. or provincial level, that would really make a difference to you as an artist with a disability. What, you know, I know there are already some great access programs and, and in mm. existence. And I feel like there is also a desire for continuous improvement of things. And suddenly, as you were talking, I thought, wow, what if something existed where you could apply for like sort of have been pre-approved instead yeah. of be, being pre-approved for a mortgage, be pre-approved for, <laughs> for an assistant? Uh, should you land a gig at, you know, uh, an equity or a packed house or, or something like that? Yeah, I think, well, you kind of hit it right on the nose right there. I think being able to be pre-approved for a sort of assistance for any possible upcoming projects so that you're, you're already in the, uh, in the books and it's just a matter of showing your contract or whatever you have going on at the moment, saying, I need someone for such and such dates. Who do you have available? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a pool of folks that are able and willing to help you with whatever your needs are, right? Whether that's communication or um or you know a, a physical barrier or anything like that i uh i think that it'd be nice to have a sort of a, 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 a something that like an umbrella form of that and then with you know all the varying forms underneath it uh but something that's really easily accessible so that you know you're not wondering what the heck you're going to do uh mm -hmm. when the time comes and yeah. you're like two days out and no supports yeah. in place and it's just yeah. oh fuck, what do i do yeah, well, that's another thing now you got me thinking about like travel, that travel's a big thing too, right? When you have to travel for a project, there's a, a whole bunch of stuff that you have to figure out in terms of accessibility and where you're going to stay and uh, getting there and all that stuff. So that's been a lot of, uh, uh, I've been doing a lot of figuring out of how, what works best for me too there. So uh, in yeah. some projects, you know, you have an assistant available and some I just kind of kind of figure it out and um, very expensive Uber Eats and delivery and, you know, to make my life easier, right? But, yeah. Mm. And uh, so you, and you have a service dog now and do. how has your service dog interacted with your film and theater work? Uh, I've only brought her on set to a couple of stuff, um, but she's been pretty good with, uh, I, I just let her stay at home or have someone come and help her take care of her while I'm gone. But they, they've been pretty open to it. And she's so obedient that she can just hang out in the trailer and not make a sound. So, and, but also I've taken her to some rehearsals. Um, after the blackout, the play that we mentioned earlier, she, uh, 
sort of became the regular rehearsal doc for a bit there, uh, <laughs> just kind of hanging out. So that was really nice. Um, and we almost considered putting her in the play for a second, but uh, we figured, no, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> the dogs will steal too much attention from the audience. So. <laughs> Dogs will do that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but she's well, been great. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show, Prince. Are there mm -hmm. any uh, sort of final thoughts or things you'd hoped we'd talk about uh, that you would like to talk about? Uh, no, not really. But I would just say that I'm really glad that you're having these conversations because I think they're much needed and. Uh, love to like you say get a lot of ears uh listening to these kind of stuff because uh, i'm sure there's a lot of questions that folks have and uh you know to hear it out in the open i think will make a big big deal and a big change so i'm i'm, I'm really uh, appreciative of this uh this communication this conversation that we're having <laughs> well we're we're Tell everyone to listen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell everyone to listen. We're really appreciative of having you you here. And one other story. I, I haven't been doing this with other guests, but you bring this out in me, apparently, Prince. Oh, great. Um, uh, when my sister took my nephew, who, to use his words, he is a brown boy and the mm -hmm. rest of our family is peach. Mm -hmm. and, uh, he's, um, and he went to see the into the spider-verse and uh, yeah. uh and uh, he is a he's a african-canadian mm -hmm. child himself and he uh afterwards he said to my sister mom i was really surprised he was a brown boy <laughs> i didn't think he'd be brown and then there was a pause and then he said maybe i could be spider-man too here you go <laughs> you see and, it's so powerful yeah, it's so powerful and yeah. i think you know for those of us who live life in peach skin with yeah. no yeah. you know <laughs> and, and access the world you know in the typical sorts of non-disabled ways yeah. we can forget just how important it is to yeah. be represented to see ourselves represented well i mean now you're making me think of black panther and and the reason oh, why it's such an effect on people because to see like a black uh, superhero in that scale, right? It was just huge. It was just huge and so needed and so wanted. So it, it makes a huge difference. And I'm sure tons of kids saw that and now can imagine themselves playing a role like that and, you know, getting into acting and all those things. Yeah. So. And in a, in a universe where the, the, the brownness was mm. just beautifully everywhere and not, mm. you know, dotted among the peach yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to again, yeah. quote my nephew. Um, yeah. So thank you for, for existing and bravely oh, going out there and doing the work and representing for all the all the kids out there oh, who can see themselves thank uh, you, thank you. so we really yeah it's it's i'm uh, so grateful to everybody who continues to work in theater yeah. in spite of the extra emotional labor that mm -hmm. so many people who don't look like me um, mm -hmm. i know have and we really appreciate you coming on Disability Stage Right to talk to us about it. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that and for having me, all of you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's been Thank great. Thank you, Prince. Yeah, it's been super rad to hang out again. Um, yeah. It's been a while. Missy, bud. Hope you're doing good. <laughs> I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm trying you. at least. <laughs> right on. Right on. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Bye -bye, so Prince. much, Prince. Take All care. Right. Be well. Stay safe. Thank you. Take care. Bye.